Why is God so angry? Isn't the Bible full of contradictions? How could God allow so Isn't much science evil? just proves the Bible? Good. How can the how Bible can say the earth was created in six days? How can the Bible say the earth was created in six days? After losing his son to pneumonia, his properties to the Great Chicago Fire, and his four daughters to a shipwreck, Horatio G. Spafford penned these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. Lamentations is written by Jeremiah, who is a person grappling with suffering in the world. And I think we all can relate to this to some extent, uh, wondering how such a good God can allow such suffering. Um, and suffering doesn't seem to discriminate. It doesn't matter if you have been following God closely or if you have sinned greatly. Um, no one is exempt from it. Uh, here, Jeremiah is watching Jerusalem in its devastated state. Um, Jerusalem had turned from God, turned to sin. And um, we see though that in the midst of this devastation, Jeremiah still has faith in who God is. And he writes, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. For men are not cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. Deep suffering affects us all, uh, whether we're going through something ourselves or we're watching um, a friend and walking with them. Um, rape, abuse, miscarriages, bankruptcy, job loss, cancer, pain, broken relationships, injustice. Um, we can all relate to trial and grief. Um, for those of you who are currently walking in suffering, may this be an encouragement to you. Um, for those of you not, maybe file this away for when the storms come or use it to walk along uh, alongside someone. Um, the Bible is filled with poems of lament. Um, we see in, in Job and Ruth and Ezekiel, of course in Lamentations, um, there's, there's questions and there's suffering and despair. And there's also this beautiful word, but. As the tone shifts and the writer acknowledges God's goodness, his greatness and faithfulness. Sometimes when we see people suffering, friends, family, maybe if we're in it ourselves, um, it's easy to question uh, or and say, like, they don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. The raw truth of it is that we actually do. Um, when, we, when we look at the disparity between our spiritual bankruptcy and his divinity, it is so great that we recognize that we actually deserve so much worse. Um, but God is compassionate and God is merciful. Uh, in my life... I've had some unusual seasons, and currently I feel as though I'm walking through a bit of a season of suffering. Uh, some of you know the past two and a half years I've been dealing with chronic pain, 
And I've seen lots of specialists. I've tried lots of different things to, to alleviate it. I've had lots of scans done. They're trying to find the root of it. Um, doctors can see that there's inflammation. They can see that there's pain. Uh, they, they can't see a cause and they don't know what it is. And it means that I've gone from feeling strong and ambitious to do any activity uh, to sometimes not doing much more than getting out of bed. It's been a fine balance of trying to engage my kids and demonstrate openness and teach them empathy while also trying to protect them because they're little. Um, so there are some days that they build forts around me and they, they help out more with snacks and we do a lot more reading and a lot more snuggling and trying to find that balance when they're wanting me to pick them up and I can't. So I say, I'll sit on the floor and you can sit with me. Um, it's humbling. It's a, it's a challenging time. It's hard for my husband to walk alongside and not be able to help, not know what to do. Um, and it's, it's easy to, to ask why. What, what is causing this? Why, why do I have to walk through this? Pain and suffering sometimes just sucks. Sometimes we don't get it at all. Um, I definitely feel like I've, I've related to Jeremiah when he says in um, Jeremiah 45, that he says, I'm weary with my groaning and I have found no rest. But when we're, when we're in these seasons, when we're feeling angry with our circumstances, when we're feeling angry with God, um, are we complaining and discussing these feelings solely with others? Or are we bringing them before the throne? Because God can take it. God can take our anger and our frustration, our big questions. Uh, even, even Christ, when he was on the cross, he was fully immersed in suffering and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Christ asked for the cup to be taken from him. So if, if even he is questioning God and asking these things, how much more are we going to? We can ask God these big questions. We can show him our frustration. Where do we turn when we're hurt? Because what's worse than being, being angry with God is when we turn our backs to him and we turn to a world instead when we should be throwing ourselves in his arms. Weeping and worship can coexist. Mourning and hope can, can be equally present as, as we journey. Um, Babylon had sieged Jerusalem and destroyed it. Um, Jeremiah describes, in the days of her affliction and wandering, Jerusalem remembers all the treasures that were hers in days of old. When her people fell into enemy hands, there was no one to help her. Her enemies looked at her and laughed at her destruction. Jeremiah watched the city that he loved, the people that he loved, turn from God and turn to sin, and then he watched the destruction. There was physical and emotional and spiritual pain. Jeremiah would have felt this on a very deep level. But he still turned and says, the Lord is my portion and therefore I put my hope in him. When we lament, we admit that we're desperate for God. And when we do, we turn our faces to him. And, and as we turn our faces to him, we worship. 
when we're when we're authentic in our lamenting we invite others to walk alongside us and in doing so we can also point them to Jesus when we're open it creates an invitation being vulnerable highlights the gospel in ways that our pride never could and it's because of hope that we can lament without hope without hope in Christ it's it's nothing more than a tantrum a child screaming and flailing in order to get their way but when we have hope we can lament a tantrum is pursuit of our own desires but lamenting is pursuit of God's glory lamentations here reminds us how important it is to mourn and to lament it reminds us how important it is to ask for forgiveness for our broken state. And it reminds us to wait with our hope in him. The one who saves us, the one who, who created us and cares and loves us. Lament and worship must be inseparable. And in that way, lament is very evangelistic and hopeful and authentic. My hope is not in my physical capability. It's not in what I can get done in a day. It's not in how strong I can feel. Um, my hope is not for this life here on earth, but in God. And we know that life is going to be hard. Um, for some people, it's going to be much harder than others. And we may never know the, the why, the reasoning to our suffering. Uh, but we know that it isn't because God lacks love for us. We also know that it isn't because he lacks power. All we need to do is look at the cross to realize those two things aren't true. If not for love, he wouldn't have died on the cross. And if not for power, he wouldn't have been raised again. But suffering is a part on our time here on earth. Um, Isaiah 43 addresses this. It says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. The promise is not that we're not going to experience suffering. In, in fact, when we look at this here, it doesn't say if you go through the fire, but rather when. But the promise is that God's going to be with us. And so when we look to Christ in times of trouble, we, we aren't going to turn out broken and bitter, but we're going to experience um, his victory and his hope. When Christ says in John 10 that I've come, that you will have life and life to the fullest, he's not promising a life that excludes suffering, but, but one that redeems and restores even the toughest of suffering. Sometimes it's not until after these seasons that we can really see where God was at work or what he's doing or how he's going to use it. Um, but sometimes it's because of the way that we've suffered or the things that we've been through that we're able to relate with others on a much deeper level, one that's so much richer. For most of my life, I've considered myself a runner, um, some seasons more competitive than others. And when I was training really hard, I would, I would run with weights on. Um, body and ankle and wrist weights and I would push and I would try to match my previous personal best on whatever distance I was doing. It was very defeating, it was very exhausting, um, 
But in training this way, when I took the weights off, I would not only meet my personal best, but I would surpass it. I think sometimes with suffering, it's, it's like training with weights on. When we're in the midst of suffering and we're choosing to love God and love others and, and pursue the greatness that God has for us, I, I think that's when we really get strengthened and we can push more. And then how much better, how much more refined are we after to love people and love God? Because of what I've been through and what I am going through, um, I've actually had some really beautiful opportunities to connect with people and to, to relate and to walk alongside, but also to give God the glory. Because we're not to give God the glory only when life is easy and when it's going well, but when it's heart-wrenching and painful and difficult. He deserves the glory at all times. We need to understand that this king, this, the king of Jerusalem, the king of the Bible, the king right now is the same in our suffering and in our good times. And he's worthy of praise. He's worthy of, of, of all that we can give him. He's a God of mercy and love and of justice and judgment. And he's worthy of our praise, regardless of our circumstance. May you be encouraged if you are walking through a hard time. Um, be encouraged, but also please reach out. Um, we would love to walk alongside you, to pray with you, to sit in silence, and to just listen what you have to share. Um, we, we at New Life want to be doing life well together as a community. Um, so please don't feel you need to walk through um, seasons alone because we want to walk, we want to celebrate with you when times are good, and we want to mourn with you when they're challenging. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are faithful. I thank you that you are a good God, regardless of what we are going through. I thank you that, that who you are doesn't change because of our circumstances. Lord, shape our hearts in these seasons um, to pursue you, to pursue your greatness to love you even when we have big questions. Lord, help us to be authentic and, and raw as we, as we talk with you. Lord, I know sometimes my prayer life, I skip the pleasantries. Um, thank you that we can do that, that we can come before your throne as we are with our joys and our sorrows. Lord, thank you that that our sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and we bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Thank you, Father, for who you are and for who you're shaping us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>